Welcome back to How It's Going So Far. I am your host, David Shire, and this is How It's Going So Far. Uh, This is the podcast where I basically just kind of talk about whatever I feel like talking about. I I kind of imagine it as like a YouTube channel that I've created, except that I didn't really feel like doing the video editing on the YouTube channels instead, so I made it into a podcast format so that I can keep it as raw, you know, footage and raw mistakes and stuff like that. Uh, That's kind of where uh, I'm at with the podcast, and I think it's been working out for me so far. You know, it keeps me uh, interested in talking about different subjects, learning about different subjects, and I think that's that's kind of where I'm at right now with the podcast. Uh, as an introduction this week, uh, just to have a little bit of personal conversation, this week has been kind of kind of messy. Uh, for the last two weeks, I mean, I've been moving out of my apartment, and uh, moving's always a mess, right? Uh, I I hate moving. I hate it with a passion. And I th- every time that I've moved from like one location to another, something's always happened uh, to my car. So, for example, this last um, move, uh, I ended up popping one of my tires and I ended up driving on it for about a day and a half. And I didn't realize what I was doing. Uh, I didn't realize that the tire was popped while I was driving. And so that was kind of a big issue that I was <laughs> I was having. Uh, I had to end up I ended up pulling over at like a Fred Meyer parking lot. I ended up changing the tire myself, but I called my best friend and uh, former roommate, uh, not rest in peace. I don't know. Uh, he's not dead, but you know, our maybe our friendship is. I don't know. <laughs> it's probably not. But uh, I called my roommate Corey for moral support. But uh, that was kind of a manly moment, you know. I got to jack up my car. I got to um, when I say jack up my car, I mean I got to I got to put it on like one of those jack things and lift up my car. I got to change my own tire. It was a really cool moment uh, for me personally because I never do stuff like that. Ended up putting on a replacement tire and then ended up spending $200 on two replacement tires. And that was not fun in the middle of a move. But other in other news, I mean, moving back right now, currently the place that I moved to is actually I'm moving back in with my mother and my brother. Uh they kind of need me to move. They kind of needed me to move back in here. My roommate decided to be a dork and get married and move off to Maine. So I'm back here with my parents' place because it's the cost of living is just too dang high uh, where I'm currently living in Washington. So uh, and that's come in. It's been good. Like I, I actually enjoy living back with my parents, but it definitely feels like it feels like something that's temporary and something I don't want to get too comfortable in. And so I'm kind of just fighting this urge to be like too comfortable while I'm here and still do like this podcast and still do um, still do really good work in my freelancing job. So that's kind of where I'm at uh, mentally with like just moving back here. Uh, Lastly, I saw the Eternals movie and that was a weird, weird movie. Uh, There's parts of it that I really liked. There's parts of it I really, really hated. And overall, I would say it was a very dull experience. And it's definitely something I maybe want to talk about in the future in a future episode. Maybe we'll talk. uh, Maybe we'll switch up the format a little bit and do like a script doctor where I'll take the basic plot beats of Eternals and try to make certain parts better. Because obviously, I'm way more smart than a Hollywood producer and a Hollywood team, uh, just like everybody else is on the internet. So maybe I could come up with a better idea. And overall, uh, and finally, this last thing, it literally just happened today, is I've been running a lot. And the reason why I've been running is I've been signing up for like runs. I wanted to kind of get better and more healthy. And in two weeks, I have like this 10K race that I'm going to attempt to run. 
and I was running today and I was doing really good. I thought to myself, okay, this is the day where I'm finally going to hit six miles. Like I've hit five miles before. I've hit like five and a half, but I never hit six miles. And so while I was running, uh, I was about at four miles, 4.3 miles. And then I ended up tripping and I ended up uh, rolling my ankle a little bit. And so that's kind of, it kind of hurts right now. Like it's not like super bad. It definitely feels like a minor strain. But it's definitely something I'm going to be looking at and trying to keep uh, rested these next couple of weeks because I only have a couple of weeks left un- until the race. And so, but as you know, perseverance and willingness to move forward, that's kind of my two things. And so I'm not too worried about it, but I hope that I hope that it's not a big issue moving forward because I, I, I do not want to run a sprained ankle uh, for my race. All right. So, anyway, let's talk about today's subject, and uh, let's just start with a little preamble. Last year was a very tough year for just about everybody. Uh, I know everybody has been really affected by this, um, by COVID. I know that we, I have, like, a lot of personal stories of people being affected by it, a lot of people uh, who've lost their jobs, and I don't want to take that very lightly. But for me, a lot of the year was just kind of coming to grips with dealing with isolation. And so what I ended up doing was I ended up doing a lot of more uh, searching out different hobbies to do. And so my main hobby that I ended up choosing uh, became chess. And as a little preamble, uh, a little bit about chess. Chess has been around for about 15, I don't know, is it 1500 years? I always, I'm always a little bit worried when I say like 1500 uh, because uh, that I always a little bit worried that it means like 15,000, but I think I'm right. It's 1,500 uh, years. Uh, originated in India in a game called Kartu uh, Aranga. I don't know. I, it had, okay. I, I, this is my second recording of this episode, and I still didn't look it up. Let's, let's, uh, I want to look it up now, but now that I'm already so far in this hole, I'm just going to not look it up. It, we're just going to say it again, Kartu Aranga, and then move on and pretend like that I said it correctly, and somebody will comment, hopefully, and tell me how to, how to pronounce it. And, you know, Kartu Aranga is, uh, is pretty much the basics of chess. Uh, there's a couple of different rules, I believe, where the bishop can only move, like, two squares diagonally and can only capture two squares diagonally. It's kind of weird. I don't know. How, how a kite works. And scholars, you know, did their thing. They have scholarly debates about whether or not this was the actual earliest uh, version of chess or if there has been earlier versions of chess. But for this story, because uh, it's for the, because I want to create a clear narrative, this is the story that we're going to stick to as uh, as the first version, Kartu Aranga. Uh, the first recorded game of chess uh, was between a historian named Bagadad. Uh, Baghdad and a pupil of his. I think that he wanted, I think personally, I don't know why he recorded this game. Uh, part of me thinks that he was like maybe really petty. Maybe his pupil was like talking some smack or whatever, being like, I'm the greatest chess player ever. And so Baghdad was like, oh yeah. And then they, he re- they recorded the game and now it's forever uh, in history of how Baghdad beat down his pupil. I think that that might be the case. Maybe it wasn't even Baghdad. Maybe his pupil beat him, but he just switched out the score, the uh, switched out uh, who was white and who was black. I don't know. Like it could be this could be a whole conspiracy theory. Uh, theory, and uh, maybe we'll do an entire three week podcast uh, in the future, like diving deep into this one game. But anyway, 
Moving on. That was a complete rabbit trail. Not in my notes. Moving on. Chess has recently uh, surged in popularity in the modern day uh, for three main reasons. Number one was kind of touched upon a little bit earlier, but it was the rise of online chess during the pandemic. People were looking for hobbies uh, and your choices were very limited. You could learn how to play an instrument, which, you know, I also did. Uh, not to toot my own horn, uh, you could uh, start working out more, uh, like running around outside uh, in Washington. Not a great, not a great hobby. Uh, you could do it throughout the summer, but then it gets very hard during the winter, as I learned, because the floor gets wet and then you trip and then you sprain your ankle. Uh, and uh, number three would be, uh, so uh, number two, sorry, I've lost complete control of this podcast. Number two would be the Queen's Gambit sh- uh, Netflix show that came out which we'll do a whole segment on and talk about in more depth. And number three would be the rise of chess streams. So all of this affected my journey back into chess. Like in the past, I would always play like a few games here and there, like maybe one game a year. And what would end up always happening is that I would play a game, I would lose pretty badly, and then I would never, I would never really think about playing the game again. And so uh, it really... It really was the start of the pandemic and the introduction of the Queen's Gambit where things really changed uh, for me personally and for, I'm guessing, a lot of people. And so let's talk about the Queen's Gambit effect. All right. So imagine this. All right. So the Queen's Gambit uh, is a really great show and it really uh, it really is just a great show that happens to feature chess as a main component of the show. Uh, if you're not really wanting to get into a deep show about like few, like the intricacies of the moves or like how like uh, knight moves and stuff like that, if you don't want to get too into the weeds of how to actually play chess, I would still recommend The Queen's Gambit because it is just a really great show. Uh, the whole story is about Beth Harmon and her journey from being an orphan uh, to becoming the world champion of chess. Uh, it but the main focus of the story and the main themes that it deals with, it is it deals with addiction, uh, fame, and kind of the cost of genius, right? And that's where the story, it really becomes more of a rock star story, right? Where Beth has her ups, she has her major down, and then she kind of rises back up again from the ashes to eventually, um, to eventually uh, challenge the world champion again in a major chess game. Not to spoil the outcome of the game, right? And so... Because of that major success, uh, it really it really blew uh, it really blew up chess for a lot of a lot of casual players and so forth. But before the Queen's Gambit, slightly before I would say, is that uh, there was another chess streamer that was that was doing a lot of work behind the scenes to really push chess and to try to get a new audience to chess. And that person is Hikaru Nakamura. Uh, Hikaru Nakamura was streaming chess way before the Queen's Gambit came out. He was the number one Blitz player uh, and an American player, and he would do Twitch streams of his games, give advice, would do kind of what content he's doing now. He'd do a lot of bullet games against his subscribers, and people would play against him. And it was all good and fun. And the thing that really elevated Hikaru in the Twitch community was the introduction of XQC, who was a... uh, I believe he's Canadian. Uh, I don't... No, he's not Canadian. He's not a Canadian. He has... I don't know why I think he's Canadian. That's just something in the back of my mind. But XQC was a top 
Twitch streamer. He was most famous for doing Overwatch streams back when Overwatch was a thing and like really popular. And he uh, he started to take interest in the game of chess. He would start playing it on uh, on stream for no particular reason. He just kind of decided one day that he was going to start playing chess. So Hikaru reached out to XQC, and all of a sudden they were collaborating together. Uh, chess was getting a huge audience that way. And then you combine that with the fact that the Queen's Gambit show was such a huge success, and all of a sudden the sport blew wide open, right? A lot of contemporaries were coming into the sport, a lot uh not contemporaries, a lot of casuals were coming into the sport and it was becoming a huge success. Uh, Chess.com itself capitalized even more so when they introduced the first PogChamps, which PogChamps was a, was a, um, or is, it's still currently going on, is a chess tournament that featured specifically Twitch streamers, YouTube personalities, and on occasion, Rain Wilson uh, from The Office. And this really, this also, uh, this also kind of created more interest in chess as more and more YouTubers, famous personalities were showing interest in chess, and more and more casual players were becoming more and more obsessed with this game that's been around for 1500 years. And there's a lot of controversy going in, though. It wasn't all perfect. It wasn't like everybody was super celebratory about uh, chess getting a lot of attention. Specifically, top-level chess players, uh, surprisingly enough. Uh, I remember uh, an early vi- an early video of uh, chess GM Ben Feingold uh, having some real issues with featuring games that were between thousand rated players. Uh, there was a lot of con- there was a lot of controversy with like top players saying like, well, why is Chess.com even focusing on this? They should be focusing on World Championship games and stuff like that to show the real elegance of the game. And ultimately, it was just gatekeeping. It was very toxic, and I think that. I, f- I found it very interesting. I remember Moist Critical talking about this, uh, another famous YouTube personality, and it was just, uh, it was just, it was more interesting drama, and it was driving even more casuals to play the game, being like, "Well, I get like, what does this GM know?" Like, right? So I think uh, that's and that's where uh, that's kind of uh, and chess has been kind of uh, having its ups and downs. Uh, I don't know if it's as popular as it was early this year. It's still pretty popular. And uh, what I'm really enjoying about it is learning more about these different GMs, different personalities, and uh, just kind of seeing where the sport is going. I think it's just very, it's very interesting, and it's definitely something that keeps me interested. Now, how chess has kind of affected me personally in a different way, instead of, you know, like, obviously, chess was a hobby that was... uh, was something that I was super interested in. But it also kind of branched out into what I'm doing today with this podcast. Because originally, uh, when chess was getting really popular on Twitch, I just thought to myself, you know what? Like, chess is really popular. It's I don't think it would be super hard to stream. It's pretty much free. So why not just create a chess.com account? And why not uh, start a Twitch channel and see if I can capitalize on this? And so that's what I did. You know, I, I created I created my Twitch account. Uh, I ended up buying a um, I ended up ha- already having a blue microphone. Uh, and I was like, OK, well, how do I stream? Like I learned how to set up OBS. And my goal when I set up the whole Twitch stream was I was going to become the next big streamer. And I had the goal of playing in PogChamps and eventually beating and dethroning like XQC. Right. And so I started my Chessica.com account. I got really addicted to playing chess. I got really addicted to the puzzles. Like the puzzles, I think, are the most addictive thing uh, about chess uh, for me. It's just like taking the time to learn and do different like these brain teaser puzzles. It's really fun. Uh, it's definitely uh, kind of 
how I would gateway somebody into doing it because uh, because otherwise playing like full on games and then losing after like 30 minutes, not the best way to uh, to approach it. I think that playing puzzles uh, is the way to go. But that's, you know, that's just a recommendation. Uh, and yeah, so I would be playing a lot of chess. I'd be playing a lot of chess puzzles and I would start playing chess while I was working, which is not a good thing. Um, I work at a co-working spot um, and I remember I work with uh, directly with my partner um, uh, my business partner, I should say, uh, just to clarify a little bit, uh, my business partner. And, uh, I remember one day my business partner got asked if I was a professional chess player because I would be playing so many games throughout the day. It was really not a good thing, but you know, like what, like I, I wanted to be a top Twitch streamer, you know? And so eventually I ended up getting the headset and my, uh, mic, I thought, okay, this is going to be super easy, and I forgot the most important thing is that chess is a very, very, very difficult game. Uh, I was constantly hitting these different walls that I didn't even know uh, chess had, and chess kind of, the way it works uh, with the with chess.com is it has this rating system where if you win a game, you get about like seven points, but if you lose a game, you will lose that seven points. And so your rating kind of determines how good you are. And so my goal going into like the first three months was I was like, okay, I'm starting at like a 600 rating. I'm pretty sure I can get to a thousand rating uh, pretty easily. And it turned out that that was not the case. That was that was an unfeasible goal. Uh, with and the problem was is that I would be playing on on Twitch, and when you're playing on Twitch, it's very different, right? When you're playing a game by yourself, you're very focused. You can you can look at the moves. But when you're playing on Twitch, you're also trying to focus on being an interesting personality. You know, you want to look at Twitch chat, and I didn't really have a Twitch chat, so that would also like kind of mentally bum me out a little bit while I was playing the games. And then I did this thing, which was really stupid, where I had like a um, I had like a counter on my uh, on my stream, and it would tell the viewers how many games I would win, how many games I would lose, and a lot of the times it would, a lot of times I was able to keep it pretty consistent with my wins and losses, but then some nights I would just have really bad game, uh, bad nights and really bad games, and my chess counter would go down and uh, more and more. And that would cause me to kind of tilt, and then I would just kind of be frustrated at myself. Uh, I remember I was able to, at one point, get to about 750. Um, and I was really close to getting to 800, and I stopped. I was like, okay, that's that's good. I'm going to go, I'm going to, maybe next stream, I'm going to really push to get that 1,000 rating. And I ended up going on vacation for a bit and I ended up playing some chess games on my phone and I ended up dropping about like a hundred points and my final rating I looked this up the other day um, one of my lower ratings was 670 and that was devastating to me at the time I remember I didn't even want to get on the stream until I kind of boosted up the numbers um, but I ended up getting on it anyway I was super bummed out and so and so over eventually I ended up kind of quitting I, I said you know what this chess is stupid. It's so hard. I, I don't know. I don't know what like what I'm doing. And so I ended up I ended up just kind of giving up. And over time, though, you know, like eventually you kind of get that itch, right? You know, like chess would be playing in the back of my mind. Every once in a while, I'd log on to chess.com and I would start doing puzzles. Uh, I would start watching more and more uh, chess content. 
Uh, specifically, I'd watch a lot of videos with um, with Hikaru explaining openings and uh, with Levi Rosman, uh, also known as Gotham Chess on YouTube, uh, explaining different openings. And honestly, he's one of my favorite uh, chess personalities that's out there today. Uh, and I just watched these videos. I would study a little bit on my own. And over over this time, like this amount of time, eventually, like a couple months ago, I ended up finally getting to my 1,000 rating in Blitz. And it was really tough. It was honestly kind of exhausting. But what it taught me was that if you want to get good at something, if you really want to succeed, you just kind of have to grind it out sometimes. You have to take the time to learn what you're doing wrong because chess is all about studying what moves that you shouldn't have made <laughs> and uh, just learning what uh, how to capitalize on your opponent's mistakes as well and just learning deeper and deeper lines of like different openings and stuff like that. Uh, it was just... It, it's been a process, but it's definitely one that I'm really glad that I've taken in my life because honestly, it's helped out in so many different ways. Um, so just kind of in conclusion, just to kind of wrap this up, uh, other things that I did with uh, my Twitch account and my uh, and just kind of doing my chess journey is that originally I, I had another idea where I wanted to start doing just more chess adjacent content that I would post on YouTube. And I still have a couple of those videos up. Uh, my favorite video by far, and the only one I kind of want to like promote, is we did. The, I did this one where it was a bunch of different chess GMs and chess personalities, and I put them in this thing called a Brant Steel, which is like this uh, Survivor similar simulator where you put like images of people, and then they just kind of play a season of Survivor. And I did a lot of narration over it. It was a very fun video, and it's definitely something I would recommend looking up. And it's definitely going to be uh, Survivor in particular, and just reality television. It's definitely going to be a topic in a future in a future one of these podcasts. But I had just so much fun doing that, and also I learned a lot about like these different you know chess GMs, right? Learned a lot about uh, the Botez sisters, why uh, sacrificing your queen without any any um, any compensation for no particular reasons called the Botez Gambit. That was pretty fun. Uh, learning uh, Maurice Ash Maurice Ashley sorry yeah Maurice Ashley uh, being the first African American uh, grandmaster hearing a little bit more about his story how he played chess in New York uh, and would play in these chess clubs and how all these like all these uh, people that were, he was playing against had like these really weird and cool nicknames like the dragon and stuff like that and you know just learning a little bit more about chess and kind of the weird intricacies of it uh, there's like thousands of chess openings right. And every single opening has like a name, which I find very interesting. And it's like the most anime thing I've ever heard in my life, right? Like you have openings like, for example, the Queen's Gambit, very, very uh, popular opening. You have the Vienna, which is uh, the Vienna. You have the Sicilian. Uh, you have the Sicilian Dragon, which is like a sequence of moves. And it's just like very anime, very interesting. I'm surprised they haven't made like an actual chess anime. Uh, they made March Comes in Like a Lion, which is pretty good. But uh, I, I would really love to see like a chess anime because I think that the whole visuals and stuff could be, uh, could be really ridiculous and really fun. And as for right now, I mean, uh, that would be my pitch to, um, to different to different animation studios to finally make that, all right? But as for now, as for my chess journey right now, I still study. Um, I don't play very seriously. Uh, I'm about 1,000 rated in Blitz. I'm about 1,200 in Rapid, uh, which is pretty, you know, pretty standard. Uh, and 
it's just something that I continue to do as kind of this hobby. You know, I don't want to make it. Uh, I don't want to make it uh, be like this big personal stress thing in my life. Uh, but chess will always hold a special place in my heart. Uh, it was a very humbling experience. Uh, it taught me how to improve in certain things. Uh, you don't. It taught me that you don't really need to be a genius to do anything, right? And that's kind of that's like the big thing that I think that chess has taught me is that you don't need to be especially gifted to learn how to play an instrument. You don't need to be especially gifted to, you know, be a good chess player. You don't need to be especially gifted to, you know, do a podcast, right? You just need to be a little bit persistent. You need to take your time, study, and just kind of gradually improve over time and at your own pace, right? I remember when I first started playing guitar and I was learning all these different chords and stuff like that, being like getting frustrated with that. But then like thinking to myself, you know what, that's not it's not a big deal. You know, like I, I learned how to play chess. I can learn how to do this. Right. And so in conclusion, like just, you know, start a hobby, you know, do something, you know, and just take, it might be humbling. It might be humiliating at times, but eventually I know that you'll get better at it. All right. Anyway, my name is David Shire and that's how it's been going so far.